0: This week, Girls on Film hits my Yorka for a panel about women in leadership.
1: Here's producer, Uzma Hassan. I always remind myself why I'm doing this. A, because I love stories and I love storytelling and that's the thing that I love the most. But also, it's really, really important for me to be telling those stories. And that's bigger than me and that's bigger than just my own desires. That's That's important for people to see visibly and that keeps me motivated
2: fasten your seat belts it's going to be a bumpy night i'm gonna get that gun of mine and i'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hand with one shot
3: some people call me a freak i hate that word i don't believe in it better yet i don't believe in labels you know i think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve?
0: This episode of Girls on Film was recorded live with an audience at the Evolution Mallorca International Film Festival on 29th of October 2022. If you listen closely, you might pick up some background commentary from what might be our youngest ever Girls on Film audience member, Zayn, Uzma Hassan's nine-month-old son, who joined us to listen to the panel discussion and was delighted to see his mum on stage. Hi, I'm Anna Smith. Welcome to this very special panel for Women in Leadership. I'm the host of the Girls on Film podcast, as you probably know. Yes, thank you. Right, so who's listened to the podcast here Give us a cheer so we can hear you on the recording. I'm especially happy to be here because I think I first came here in 2018 when I just posted the first episode of Girls on Film. So this month is Girls on Film's fourth birthday. We've published 128 episodes. This will be our 130th. We've been nominated for awards and we're going from strength to strength. And evolution feels like a really good match for girls on film um, not only fabulous location but a great focus on female-led films so huge thanks to festival director Sandra Lipsky for inviting us here today and Sandra also came on the podcast recently so if you listen to episode 125 you can hear her so the focus on the panel is on women in leadership, and I want to talk to my guests today about how they approach their leadership roles in terms of the creative and the business aspects of their work. So I'm going to introduce them one by one. First of all, we have the producer at Little House Productions and the producer of most recently Creature, Uzma Hassan. Please join us. <laughs> Welcome to you, Uzma. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next, we have the co-founder and co-director of Bamboo Producciones in Spain, Teresa Fernandez-Valdez. Welcome, Teresa.
4: <laughs>
0: lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Next up, some of you may have seen Cool Jane last night. We have the producer of Cool Jane, also the founder and CEO of LB Entertainment, Lee Broder. <laughs> Welcome, Lee. And last but by no means least, the director of Median Board in Berlin, Brandenburg, Kirsten Niehaus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Girls on Film. You're all first-timers on Girls on Film. This is exciting. It's lovely to have you with us. Now, I'm going to ask each of you to describe your job briefly and the journey you took to get there, and then we're going to have a clip from each of you. So um, I'm going to start with you, Kirsten. Um, talk to me about your job, and then we'll have a
4: little look. Um, hello, everyone. Good morning. It's actually my first time on Girls on Film and probably the last time anybody ever has called me a girl. So, um, <laughs> But um, that feels very nice, and in my heart I am. I uh, work as the CEO of the Berlin Brandenburg Film Fund and Brandenburg um, is home of the fabulous Babelsberg film studios and a lot of fantastic locations. We are one of the largest film funds in Germany. In Germany it works different than in France and, um, let's say, Spain, because Germany is federally organized. I mean, there are central fundings, national fundings, but um, you also have regional funds. And just to give you an idea, each of the biggest funds has a budget of around something between... 30 and 40 million euros per year. And um, so that matches some of the national funds in smaller countries. I've been doing that, to my own surprise, for roughly 20 years now. and um, Congratulations. Well, yes and no. Thank you. <laughs> but it's been a fantastic ride. I would say we got lucky that within the past 20 years, uh, the region's position in the filmmaking locations of the world has changed dramatically. I wish it would be because of me, but it isn't. Um, It's because of the fantastic filmmakers and opportunities we have in that region. We get about, I would say, 500 applications per year for films, and we can support roughly 60, I would say, uh, projects. it's a it's a very hard selective work and it's a bit like a kid in a sweet shop um where you have to choose the best of your favorite sweets but um it's it's not so easy especially since um we don't have an outside jury like probably everywhere else but it's in my discretion to make the decisions and that's great because I don't have to listen to other people's proposals but it's difficult because I cannot hide behind a jury and say I loved it but they didn't <laughs> like it. So thank you very much. I think I took too much time.
0: No, it was fascinating. Thank you.
4: Shall we have a look at the trailer of your, your, your work? With yeah, why not?
2: Berlin ist die Stadt der Frauen. Halt Was? Every time I got to go on to a new set, I was always completely
3: blown away by the way that it looked.
1: Deswegen ist Brandenburg für mich Emotion und Schönheit. Ich
3: hab schon mal gedacht, wie du mich
1: vielleicht siehst im Kino.
2: In Berlin... In Brandenburg. We've got some of the most advanced production technology in the world. This
0: can't be real. Great trailer. Wonderful work. So let's move on to Lee. Lee, please introduce us. Tell us more about your work.
3: Uh, sure. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Lee Broda and I uh, started LB Entertainment In uh, 2015, it's a production company that uh, finances, develops, and uh, produces uh, films, TV, and documentaries. And we're based in Los Angeles, but kind of work around the world. Um, Yeah, I've made um, many movies that I'm very proud of uh, since. Uh, I'll probably produce and executive produce over 60. And uh, yeah, we have Cold Jane screening here at the festival. It premiered last night, and... Yeah, very excited to be here hope uh we can share some interesting insights that will either help inspire or uh educate anyone so yeah good to be here
0: well cool jane is a very inspiring film which we're celebrating on girls on film should we have a look at the trailer sure let's have a look at a second clip
4: mrs griffin your
3: pregnancy is endangering your life mom <laughs> what's the treatment you cannot be pregnant
4: that's the only option
3: we can ask the board for permission to perform
0: an emergency termination is there a chance that she can survive the pregnancy? Maybe fifty percent, resulting in the birth of a healthy child.
4: I'm here. I'm I'm right here.
0: I vote now, gentlemen. No, 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 no,
3: no.
2: This is
4: Jane. How does it work? Shh. You're gonna rest for a few hours. Which one of you is Jane? <laughs> We're all Jane. We
3: have organizing meetings. That's the address. How are you going to get through them all? This 11-year-old girl deserves oh, it. Well, That's this right. lady has cancer. She was raped. It has to be random. It's life or death for some of them. It's life or death for all of us. I'm not scared of jail. I'm scared there won't be anyone left to answer the phone. Let's get to work. What a fantastic
2: film. <laughs> Let's move on to Teresa. Welcome. Tell us more about yourself. Uh, Very happy to be here. I'm a Spanish producer. My name is Teresa. um, And I founded my company 15 years ago with Ramón Campos. Um, Basically, I'm a TV producer, but I'm I'm doing also films. I had the lucky to produce uh, titles that travel all over the world, like uh, Velvet, Gran Hotel, and we were the first company producer to work for Netflix in Spain with one series that it was Las Chicas del Cable, The Cable wow. Girls. Also we were the first company to work in Spain for Apple and we're doing now the second show with them starring Eva Longoria. So we're now working also for Amazon and local TVs, and we had time to enjoy the, the, the industry and, and the time where everything is growing, you know, when the platforms came to Spain, makes us bigger suddenly. But our objective was to still maintain in the freedom to create. This is my first time here in the festival, so I'm very glad to be here and very happy to to help with my point of view or with add my... My experience to you and exchange my my different experience in the in the industry. Oh, thank you! I can't wait to hear more about what you do. Shall we have a look at a trailer for something you've been working on? So yeah. a private affair, the, un asunto the, privado? Yeah, the trailer we're going to see is the last show that we premiere and is in Amazon. Excellent. Let's have a look. The clip.
4: Usted no puede detener a un asesino como
1: si fuera un policía, porque no es un policía. <laughs> Nunca se me ocurriría una cosa así.
2: ¡Ciércate todo el mundo! ¡Policía!
0: <laughs> Wonderful. I can't wait to see that. Thank you. Now, Usma, um, we've been on juries together, haven't we? But you've never actually been on Girls on Film before. So, lovely to have you here. Tell the audience more about what you do.
1: Hello, everyone. Good morning. First, I just want to say thank you to Girls on Film for... Putting together this incredible panel of women. Um, And thank you so much to the Mallorca Film Festival. It's really lovely to be here. Um, My name is Uzma Hassan. I'm a producer. I run a production company called Little House Productions, um, which is based out of the UK, but I now uh, live in New York, so transatlantic. I've been producing films since about 2010 and concentrating on what I like to say is subversive stories for global audiences, which really means um, stories that are audience-friendly but tell, um, tell familiar stories from perspectives that you might not have seen before. Um, my latest film is called Creature. It's a collaboration between the choreographer Akram Khan and Academy Award winner Asif Kapadia. And we made it during lockdown um, in a space of about... 10 days Uh, I'm incredibly proud of it we just premiered it at the London Film Festival and it's out in the UK and Ireland in uh, February uh, of next year
0: it's a fantastic film here's our clip tantalizing stuff um i actually reviewed creature at london film festival as you know for deadlines so you can go in there and find out what i thought of it which uh, basically thumbs up but for more nuanced response you can have a look at their website my first question i'll start with kirsten um and you know what kind of challenges did you overcome as a woman in the industry i mean do you think gender was an issue when you entered and have things changed now yes gender
4: was an issue um I remember I've been working with the National Film Fund, um, the FFA, uh, for for many years. Basically, it was my, my first job in the industry. And um, to put a number, it was pretty much in 95, so it was not that long ago. For some of you, it's very long ago. Some of you probably were not born then, but... Um, <laughs> And then I worked there until '99. And in a way, I was what you would call the crown princess. I was I was already working there for a couple of years, and um, my boss was about to retire. And it was kind of the deal that I would follow him in the boss position. And then I was overtaken by a gentleman who I had not known, and who nobody else had known in the industry at that point very much, and um, that hurt me, to be honest, I found that very hurtful, and it took about 25 years till the president of the FFA then told me, um, you know what, at that time, and we're talking 1999 here, um, at that time it would have not been possible for a woman to be head of a national film fund. I'm not saying that goes for everything and of course I've been debating that for myself. I mean you think you cannot use um, the excuse of being a woman for everything but um, I found that for me it was a great relief that he told me. On the other hand no reason to be sad about it obviously it was possible to become the head of a regional fund and um, I had a very good life ever ever since, and probably better than um as if I would have stayed where I was, but I didn't know that at the time. And nowadays, I think that has changed very much. I think not everything has changed. It's still very difficult for um women. We see that when uh, directors leave film school about fifty percent of them are women and um, very few of them end up as a director in the industry and I think not that uh, political movements are without effect but the biggest effect now comes from let's say the demand of product in the industry let's say the streamers i think that gave a lot more opportunities to a lot more women in film producing directing writing than before because the structures were pretty much frozen and i think that's a great great opener. i don't know how you feel about it Wow, amazing story in my case i
2: founded the my company 15 years ago so that was the moment when I was leading and, and I became a businesswoman. So I know that there's not a lot of businesswomen in our industry. There's a lot of creative profiles, but not a lot of leading their own company and risking their own money. Over. So in that case, yes, it's true. I'm not, we are not a lot in, still in Spain. But I've never felt in my case like a woman in a men world you know, never. Maybe also for because of my character. When the things happen, I've never connected that with the idea that it because I was a woman. I can see that you are a very strong woman. I, I feel that I'm a very strong woman. In terms of character and in terms of trusting you in yourself, I think it's very important to move yourself with being sure and confident about you. Because if you feel suddenly that you are a victim, you're going to feel like pity and pain, but you're not going to focus your energy to continue looking for your objective. So I think that in my case, maybe if I can see the film of my life, I can find now places where maybe... That's happened because I was a woman, but my red in that time was not it was this is a stupid guy. I found also people, women that because they were the unique one, they still want to be the unique one. And they didn't help me. So for me it was it wasn't it was not easy, but not because I never connect that with the idea that because I'm a woman. It's interesting
0: what, what you say about, you know, women who are worried about being the only one, and that seems to me like that's a patriarchal system that's convincing. There can only be one woman in this role, and to pit women against each other and on girls on film. And I'm sure in a lot of your work, we're, tr- we're working against that and trying to get everyone to work together. Yeah. And, and collaborate. That's, yeah. yeah,
3: I think I'll add to what you're saying because I connect with your point of view in that. But because I wasn't raised, I was raised in Israel, and in my family, there wasn't like any thought about me being a woman, so I can't do certain things. So when I moved to the states and started in the industry. I never had that going in, that there are any barriers for me because I was a woman. But being a businesswoman and raising a lot of financing and doing a lot of business transactions, um, I was often the only woman in the the room. Now that I'm kind of getting to a different level and working a different level and higher budgets, and I'm usually still the only woman in the room, but to say that if I was a man, and it's a new thing that I'm now observing, because for a long time I was like, oh, I don't think um, I have any issue because I'm a woman, or I'm not getting certain opportunities because I'm a woman, but where, where I'm at in, in my career, if I was a man, I probably would have had a $100 million fund by now, with the amount of experience and the amount of uh, movies I produced, and the money I raised. I raised over $40 million um, for movies. Um, since I started, but it was never from my own fund, and now that I'm kind of putting uh, my own fund together and starting to kind of get my investors together, I do see that for some reason, and it's something psychological, um, and it's hard to explain it, but for men, it's and even women, it's easier to put money behind a man. And I have so much more experience than a lot of the men I deal with and do business with, and they're not often the good... The one that have the you know, most experience or actually know what they're doing in a way. But it's easier for them to get money than sometimes me. I kind of only noticed that recently. Um, because the conversation around women in the industry and leadership start to become more kind of topical in the front for, uh, forefront. But I still don't come from a place that it's holding me back being a woman. I just don't accept that. So it's just having a perspective of, like, if that door is closed, I'll go somewhere else. And I think that really helped me with my career, just kind of um, not accepting no as an answer. So it might take me a little bit longer, but, yeah, I don't think it's impossible. So that's kind of where I stand on that.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Lee.
3: Esma, <clears throat> let's hear from you on this. Um,
1: yeah, I think I think uh, it, it's really interesting to hear other people speak on this and 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 their different experiences. For me, the idea of exceptionalism has always been quite difficult to understand. So one, when you start uh, thinking as an individual, oh gosh, this is really hard. Sort of, I'm I'm w- trying to walk through molasses. Is there something wrong with me? And I had that a lot during the beginning of my book career i was i I made my first film when I was twenty nine years old, and it did really well and it sort of came out internationally and he made a bunch of money and I thought, okay, great, I've made it now everyone's going to be throwing money at me and it was very difficult to make this uh, make the film after that and what I did at the time was take it very personally and think I must be doing something wrong and the thing that sort of Opened my mind and op- a, and and changed my perspective on that was when I started s- looking at quite hard data and statistics saying, oh, actually it's not me. The different intersections that I exist at, gender, race, etc., etc. It is harder for me to get films financed. There are fewer people that look like me that are working in this industry and are working at the level that I'm working at. So, although. It's not an excuse. I think it's really important to understand that as a framework and work within it and not to take the burden upon yourself and say this is because of my personal failure or that person is doing so well because they're somehow brilliant and have worked it out. That's valuable advice, I think, for for anyone who's starting out.
0: Kirsten, let me come to you. It's interesting talking about the funding and making sure that the, the right intersection of people get the money would you like to speak to a little bit about that about how you feel about making sure that you know it's fair and equal I suppose
4: Uh, we have a very differentiated system of evaluation Um, everyone who applies with the fund talks to a funding advisor and then we collect the data and I think our goal is to have a mix of um um, films that will or have a commercial perspective and an artistic or an artistic and commercial uh, perspective one does not exclude the other um, triangle of sadness for instance I think is a good example the success of a luxury cruise mainly depends on you I don't
0: want
2: to hear anybody saying no Always. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I command you enjoy the moment. No. No?
4: No. <laughs> what? You say no to me? No, no. Oh, so it's yes. Uh, yeah, no. Yes. Oh Yes! <laughs> Triangle of sadness is already out in the cinemas. So um, we do that as a group, my team and I. And uh, we look at young filmmakers, we try to encourage women producers and uh, women directors, as I said. Um, I think they need less encouragement because the demand for filmmakers is so great at the moment. And. That's how we approach it. And I just want to come back one word of what you said. I didn't have the feeling of being encumbered, being a woman. Uh, when I started a career, I found it pretty easy to go along this career ladder to up to a certain point, and then it got difficult. It was not that all my life, even though I'm, I'm probably a feminist, I've never been a feminist until they made me one. <laughs> Let's see. That's a great quote. Thank
0: you for that question. And so this is a women in leadership panel and I'm interested to know you've all come so far and you're doing brilliantly and you work with a lot of different people um, in, in different contexts. Um, how would you sum up your leadership style? Can I start with Isma for this one?
1: Yeah, um, my leadership style has really changed actually and filmmaking is very much a hierarchical business I think when you're on set and um, you're a producer on the set and you're sort of in charge of everyone and all of the Uh, emotional ups and downs of your crew and your actors in the beginning I felt that you that one had to be really tough and show that you have no emotion and that you're just steering this ship and and latterly and certainly on my last film I realized that it's more important to be working in a way that unlocks the potential in people and, and part of that for me is leading from the heart and making sure that people felt looked after, understood and appreciated for all of their talent and skills and, and that works for me when you're working at, with people at a very, very high level certainly on Creature you know, I'm working with asif Kapadi and I'm working with heroes of mine Daniel Landon who was our DP who, who's someone whose work I, I, I've admired for decades The only way that works, rather than trying to do a top-down approach, is by saying, I'm here to make you do your best work, and we're in this together, and our loyalty is towards the film.
2: That's great advice, thank you. My way to work is very close to my way to be. So I I need to be happy, and I need to feel happy. So in the morning when I wake up, my energy is strong and strong energy. So I need to create nice atmosphere. So in terms of leading, I, I try to create all the time a cruise where they can um, complement each other, but still feel family. When I said before that for me, it was key to maintain the spirit of the familiar essence of my company, it was true because we spend like the, I don't know, 90% of our life working probably. So, because we love it and we mix in our lives, the work with the enjoy because we we, we never know the limits about when I'm working and when I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying because all the time you are, even in the weekend or in your holidays, you're creative, active, so... Uh, for me, I I, I have a strong intuition also, and I like to be uh, depending on what is happening that they are not telling. What what the energy is not working here. What what the people is not, they are tired or they're what. So, at the same time, I'm very controller. My opinion is about everything. I'm very demanding also. But the way that I work is like trying to feel like it's easy. I, I try to do in an easy way, but of course, my voice it still strong, but it's not loud.
0: I like that. And happiness as a goal seems like a great place to start, doesn't it? To, en- to enjoy your work. I mean, that's hugely important. Lee, Let's hear from you on this.
3: Um, it's interesting because you asked the question and I was like, I don't know if I ever stopped to think, how do I want to lead? But I think my default, I'm very positive. And I think seeing how difficult it is for other women, I always try to come from a place of inspiration and positivity and kind of speak that message. So I think it's a mix of tough love because I'm very demanding of myself. So usually I'm demanding from the people I work with. And I do have high standards to the things that I put my name on. So I'm sure I'm not easy to work with. But I think at the end of the day it's just because I'm very responsible for the people that invest in the movies and the people that work with me to make sure we are putting out like the best Product at the end of the day, so quality is really important, but I think also I come from a place of gratitude I think our business is so difficult and For me feeling an exception that I get to do it for a living and make and make money right to do it and Consistently work and make movies when it's really it's difficult a lot of people around me are struggling to raise money for to make their movie um, especially in the indie world, when you don't have a deal with a studio, or you're not getting it from a streamer, or government funding. I think Israel, Germany, a lot of European state countries have this government funding that is really helpful for filmmakers to make movies. And in the US, it's either you know how to raise money independently from investors, or you don't make a movie. So. Um, I think gratitude is really important, kind of reminding ourselves that it is, we're not doing brain surgery, but we are um, making art, and yeah, we shouldn't take it for granted, I think, as well.
4: Thank you so much. Kirsten. I would pretty much um, underline everything of what you said before, and I think I'm trying to make myself understood. I'm trying to explain my thoughts Um And um, yeah, I'm also a bit of a control freak. I think that's what all of you said, if I got it correctly. (laughs) Yes, within the team, and I must say, I don't know whether um, how your experiences are. I found it kind of difficult to get the team spirit back together after COVID and everything that went or came with it. Um, the the um, benefits and the downsides of home office, uh, which I think makes it easier to sort of for everyone to sort out their work time and spaces the way they want to. But on the other hand, it's much more difficult to, to keep up the team spirit to share information, to be aware that you're not in a tunnel of your own and just do the tasks you are supposed to do, but to share that with your colleagues. Like the before that, people would go to lunch together and talk and share it, and that has diminished dramatically. People are still afraid of COVID, so sharing offices is not that easy and maybe not that convenient. Who knows? But um, that is a new task that I'm trying to master. I try to be kind and understanding, but I know my temper is not really made for that. I'm still trying. <laughs> In the last years, I have um, I'm working on it. The thing with the heart and the hmm, and <laughs> yep, but um, there's um, I think there's still space for improvement there. Well,
0: I think it's true. We got a lot of strong women on this stage. Very impressive.
1: Brilliant. That, sorry, if it, 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 it's really interesting what you're saying because I, I I live in two worlds. I'm a film producer, but I'm also um, a, a trustee and a non-executive director for some companies and the chair of the Bush Theatre. And when you're making a film, you sort of have to very quickly build a team and build that spirit and build a working sort of relationship. But in in more long-term businesses and more long-term sort of endeavours creating that environment and maintaining that environment is very difficult and doing that during covid i recently came back to do my first in person board meeting at the bush theatre and it was you could see the joy on people's faces just to be in the room together and to exchange their energy and it's very very powerful but our world really has changed so so trying to maintain a balance is, it's quite difficult, and it's something that as leaders, we really have to make a concerted effort to, to create those environments.
2: And the culture, of course, I, I can imagine that is really different in Spain than Germany. In Spain, we need to touch each other. In the COVID time, we suffer a lot, because this is not part of our Spirit, so it's something that I push a lot after COVID. Is look, we are still here. We need to celebrate all the ha- time. We need excuses to do a party to celebrate. To, to do. So yeah, so with to to manage this and and as soon as possible and as 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 soon as I could, I I, I provoke to to touch each other again and to and to feel like we are still here and and. and and being the same and and i can imagine it's is really far from the perspective to protect because my idea was well, if, if if we're going to die i want to die with all of you is i don't want to die alone okay <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's so great to be back with audiences, talking of which, you know, in the podcast we were recording a lot at home and we were reaching loads more people and getting lots of guests. But to be here with you on stage and to have you all here, hopefully not dying, is brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you all, um, and we've spoken about, you know, being a woman in, in some of the challenges, but I want to celebrate times when sisterhood and community really, really work for you and working with other women um, and lifting other women up. So I'd love to ask you all if you have an example of something recent or from a while ago, um, a moment where you felt that, that, that you were connecting with other women and, and really sort of um, happy about that. Should we start with you, Lee?
3: So I started a nonprofit called Women Creating Change five and a half years ago, and um, Our mission was to empower and create opportunities and educate uh, female filmmakers from the Middle East and North Africa. So for until probably the last few months, which is kind of to continue the COVID conversation, because we were doing a lot and in-person events, so a lot of educational panels and workshops and um, showcases. And during COVID, we obviously translated online, transitioned online. And COVID was really difficult for us, so we kind of took a step back because of it. But I think that was my responsibility and something I was very aware of that I wanted to connect me w- with more women and coll- create collaborations. So I'm working now. Um, with a few women from the organization that we come together and exchange projects and a lot of great projects kind of came out of that organization and uh, yeah, I think something that I was more aware of because of the conversation around women and not enough women in the industry so... Um, and even in Call Jane, I think we were very conscious about hiring a female cinematographer and Phyllis as a director and Robbie, my other producer. So we, we had a very strong team of women. So that was
4: awesome.
0: Bravo. Bravo. Bravo.
4: Kirsten, Anything you you'd like to pick out? Um, of course, professionally, we support um, a lot of programs to empower women. And when we make uh, our funding assessments, we look at who is involved on the female side of things: director, producer, scriptwriter, and um, also um, how are the female characters designed? Are they sort of independent? Personalities, or are they meeting role models? And I want to point out: I also believe that um, streaming and maybe not streaming in opposition to cinema, but definitely streaming in opposition to German public television, has changed the understanding of storytelling and also the diversity of characters a lot. That goes beyond the characters of women. For instance, the show How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. That's a cast you would have never seen and a story you would have never seen on public TV. Hi, ich bin Moritz Zimmermann, 17 Jahre alt und das hier ist meine Generation. Generation Z. Unbegrenzte technologische Möglichkeiten. Und was machen wir damit? Face Swap. It's very diverse. It's not the classic TV program. And I think that opened many doors in storytelling, in characters and also in female characters. So I think that um, it's a great leap that we would like to support. And sort of on a more personal basis in business, we just hired someone who's a lot younger, a female funding advisor, who I believe brings a new perspective also to our group of not so young funding advisors. And we also hired two men. That's also that's we did that for the women as well.
1: Well
0: done. <laughs> Great stuff.
1: Um one one of the ways I really like to work with women and give back its sort of a constant feed feedback loop is is to be mentoring at least one or two um, women and I've I've done that throughout my career even when I didn't really know anything because I wish I'd had that when I was younger as well and I'd wish I'd gone out and sought that and there, there's, a, there's a really lovely woman who I started working with about 15, nearly 20 years ago. She was my um, assistant at my very first job, my intern at my very first job and we've always kept in touch and we've always sort of almost you know she's helped me as much as I've helped her um, and seeing her flourish and grow and she's just edited her first HBO series so and and she was very complimentary about how speaking with me throughout the years has really helped her and buoyed her so I I find that really um, satisfying.
0: That's wonderful that's wonderful do you find the one-to-one thing works very well in terms of mentoring and, and dealing with people?
1: I think it does. I think it's because sometimes you really want to have a no holds barred conversation. And and I craved honesty when I was younger and struggling and no one's really honest with you because they feel that they have to give a very sort of I'm in charge um, attitude. So I think being able to have honest conversations with um, women, in particular women of colour, working in this industry is something that I find really important and satisfying.
0: And you feel like this is being encouraged more? I think I mean mentorship question for all of you. Do you do you engage in mentorships? And-
3: yeah, yeah. With women creating change, we're doing that a lot. We were making sure that we create environments when women can have open discussions and be honest with each other and try and share resources. We did a lot of um, give and ask, we call it. So One each person offers something for the circle and then ask for something from the circle. So I love that exercise. We, do, we used to do it often on our uh, Sunday coffee meetings during COVID. I feel like it is important. I was looking for a mentor for a long time. It was one of our exercises in college um, when we graduated was to find a mentor. And at the time, I had a lot of older men (laughs) that were my mentors and not as many women. So I think it is important to identify kind of what career path you want to follow and have these conversations and find these women. Because often, I don't know, um, there's a sense of sometimes competing with each other, that there's not enough space for all of us to kind of be at the top. I think finding ways to work together and, and share resources is really helpful, so...
0: Um, That brings me to talking about the film festival itself before we cut to the audience. Um, Would any of you like to speak about the importance of film festivals like Evolution Mallorca where a lot of people are encouraged to meet and network and talk and share share their experiences?
3: So I remember my first Sundance. I think I just graduated college and I was so broke and I made a point to go to Sundance and I, I didn't have money to stay up in Park City so I stayed in Salt Lake. And I rented this little Fiat in the snow because I was so oblivious because there's no snow in Israel. So I was like, oh, I can take this little car up there every day and got stuck on the mountain in a snowstorm and slept on someone's floor because I was like, it was so interesting. But it was like the best film festival experience I had. And I didn't know anyone, but I remember that my teacher kept saying, it's it's first of all, not who you know, who know, is who, you, who knows you. And it's all about relationships that people like to work with people they like to work with. So I really made a point to put myself out there. Even if I had no means to do so, I was like making sure I'm in the room or in the festivals and talking to people and and building those relationships. And I've done that with Cannes. Even though I didn't have a movie, I decided I'm going to go and I'm going to stand in line and trying to go to parties and meet people, and it was a beautiful experience, but it's also, to me, it's about inspiration, right? Like, you see someone on that stage, and you're like, one day, I'm gonna have a movie in Sundance. For me, that's how it started, and great to be um, very thankful. I had probably seven now in Sundance. Thank you um so it starts there so even if you don't feel like you're you're there yet it's just like you have to be in the room so you can feel like you're part of it even though you haven't reached that place yet so I I talk a lot about mindset and I think the more I get older I put more time into kind of mindset and my morning routines and Because that's kind of where it starts, right? Because you're never really prepared for certain opportunities. You just kind of have to jump in and say yes, and for me at least kind of fake it until you make it. I remember I took so many meetings um, when I was starting out. I left um, my old boss and started my own company, and I was like, I didn't even know. I didn't know a lot of things. And I was just kind of taking those meetings because I knew it would be, like, I have to do the practice. And so I think with film festivals, going back to that, they're really important and take advantage of them and do as many as you can. I probably attend four or five a year, even if I have a movie or don't, because it's about the building the community.
0: Well, I think... Our audience will have some questions for you because there's a lot of great advice here already on stage but please don't be shy put your hand up and we have a roving mic if you would like to ask any of our panelists a question
1: hi um it's wonderful to hear a conversation where we're using words like feelings and intuition it's just hearing them you realize it's so rare to hear, hear them in this sort of environment but um you've had fantastic long careers in terms of morning rituals, could you just talk a little bit about the tools and the practices that you use to build up and maintain your resilience in a very hard profession?
4: Humor. Yeah, great question. Humor, Thank humor you. helps. Um rather than be annoyed laugh about it um that's easy to say i think um this luxury you have to you know await a bit until it comes to you but then it's really fun and it doesn't hurt as much as being annoyed and frustrated Um, I think it's very important that you have um, either family or friends or both um, to share some of the worst experiences with to shake them off. Uh, You can't do it all by yourself. You can't, I would say. There's still a lot that you have to chew on by yourself, um, but I think that goes for everyone everywhere. It's not a female thing, but sharing helps, and it opens doors to change the perspective. And Even if you have... Good friend or partner who says yes, they are really mean and no, you didn't deserve that. And then the next morning, you might see that you also take a part in it. I can really tell that in many ways I didn't make it easy for people either. But um, it's nice if you get the chance to realize that by yourself and um, by by someone who steers you there rather gently. So that
3: helps. I don't know how you humor. I think I take things too seriously sometimes. so when I graduated during school, we did a lot of The Artist's Way. And I've been doing it probably for 14 years now straight and keep redoing the book. That, the Morning Pages was really, really um, a great tool for me to kind of track my thoughts and my patterns and where I'm stuck. So that was one Two, I used to um, listen to TED Talks every day or a video for many, many years. Learning things and self-help, more but like motivational things. Because I remember at the time when I just started, I had like three jobs. And I was working for free as an intern for a producer for probably a year every day for free. And then having three other jobs to support that internship. So I needed a lot of kind of motivational, like keep going kind of talk and not not give, give in to the negative and the struggle of so many people around me at the time because I started as an actor and everyone around me was broke like me and struggling so it was it's really hard to see beyond that when everyone around you is, uh, is at the same place and meditation, I think it's always great to just stop because I think in our profession it can get really intense really quickly around set and around so many people exchanging energy and Um, just kind of go back to who you are and what's important and kind of even take a few minutes for yourself. I think that's always interesting, or always important. Um, So a lot of that. I I do a lot of workshops, a lot of um, and I think learning other things outside of our business. I never went to school for business and I haven't learned producing. Um, My education is, is mainly theater and acting but again I do financing on a daily basis so kind of always taking courses and always growing um, in other areas as well and not just kind of in my own narrow path. So I think a combination of all of that.
2: For me, it's very important to to hear you. It's, it's because when you are someone, the people are expecting something from you. But what are you expecting from you? For me, is the most important thing because it's the way to be honest with you. I have a lot of problems sometimes uh, with a platform, with the way that we're going to receive the money, how I can manage this situation. And the only thing that let me sleep quiet is that I'm doing the best that I can for everyone and for me. I think if you are happy in the morning, probably you're going to give to the people something that is nice and try whatever you want to do or whatever you decide to do is something that came from inside because you are not going to feel that you are grown because I do my best. Maybe at the end I was grown but I was feeling that it was the way. Lovely advice. Thank you. Esma.
1: Um, I mean, I I would agree with a lot of the um, things that the panelists have said. As an independent film producer, you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping and hoping and then there's an intense period of activity. So for me, it's it's almost like I found the thing that I love and I wish I could just do more of it. So in, in the waiting periods, the fil- your film family that you've created, the writers, directors, and other producers that you, that you work with and who support you are really important to remind you of why you're doing it, to not give up hope. The financing has collapsed again, but it'll come together, don't worry. And also, I always remind myself why I'm doing this, A, because I love stories and I love storytelling and that's the thing that I love the most, but also it's really, really important for me to be telling those stories, and that's bigger than me and that's bigger than just my own desires. That's, that's important for people to see visibly and, um, and that keeps me motivated. Thank
0: you all. Great question, and I loved all those answers. Thank you. I'll be re listening to that several times myself. Uh, any more questions, please? Um, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, my name's Christina. I'm an independent filmmaker, and I'm so invigorated by this conversation today. So, thank you so much. And one of the reasons I'm here at Mallorca is I'm very passionate about my stories, and now I'm in the process of funding my first feature. And I'm curious, um, I'm thinking about where, where does the money come from? You know, if I want to cover topics like f- female characters and all the diversity, I mean, should I also be thinking about, you know, is this money coming from, you know, a, a bad diamond mine or something? Or do you just take any money you get? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes?
0: Okay. <laughs> Interesting question. Anyone want to tackle that? <laughs>
1: Um, I've never actually been offered blood diamond money. But, um, I think I think it's important to be able to stand behind every decision you make. And yes, it's very hard to get an independent film financed, but there are so many different sources um you know i've i've had money everything from sort of national film funds to private individuals who feel very passionate about the story that i'm telling so i don't think that you ever need to compromise your morals um if you have any um, (laughs) when when taking money but that's my personal (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that any more questions um, so my question would be, what's what are like the steps to find uh, a producer and a production company? Like in, in my case, for example, I'm here this time with two feature film scripts. Um, I think I have a decent reel. I also have um, two TV shows that I'm developing that I strongly believe in, and I work as a um, production manager in TV commercials here in Spain. So my question is. How do I make the next steps to actually finding producers and production companies?
3: I think a lot of it is about research, um, finding those producers that are passionate about those subject matters. Like I always tell that to to filmmakers, most of the time when they come to me for money, the way I work is very specific. So if someone comes to me with a script with nothing attached, Unless it's like a brilliant, something I fall in love with, which doesn't happen often because we don't really read, sadly, things that don't have directors attached at this point. But you just have to know who you talk to. So even for me, going out there raising money, I do a lot of homework of like... Targeting specific project to the right people. I think it is important to know who you talk to so you have a few projects, right? So it's like maybe this project is right for that person or this project is right for that person. And I don't know if you want to do it as a director or as a producer, so it's very also different. But I always tell directors, especially if it's your first features, you, have to f- you need to bring something else to the table. There's so many people trying to make their first feature. And if you don't have financing from your home country and you're trying to raise private equity, at least from my experience, that's all I'm talking from. but try to network and bring maybe an interesting cast or something else, someone else that can really make you stand out than just having a script out there. A lot of the times, a lot of the directors I worked with, because I made a lot of features with first-time directors, so they either brought some money, and it was mainly from like, friends and family that they raised a little bit, or a grant, or investors that they found in film festivals, or they brought talent someone that they met randomly and there's so many stories out there and how like projects are being made that's really what I see from my experience of how like first movies like movies being made with first-time filmmakers so
0: thank you there's some questions towards the back there there's um
3: um so I'm really interested um
0: I guess in you know women who are in roles that are often dominated industry. So what I'd like to ask is what's an experience or an influence that you had in your life that has shaped how you lead as a woman?
3: Our industry and obviously it becomes so topical about the power dynamics and I got to work for a lot of people that I felt I wasn't treated right or I was taken advantage of from just We're so desperate to work as artists. We'll take kind of crumbs or whatever, right, when we start. And I worked on so many projects as an actor or as a producer for free for so many people. And now where I'm at, I really try to make sure that if someone is working for me and maybe, first of all, pay them what they're worth Um, but we do have internships for for college students so if they work for free for credit i still make sure they learn something and that i spend time with them and we talk and i teach them processes or i give them credit if i can on a project because i feel like credits are so valuable in our world so i think i'm very sensitive and aware of that because it took me so long to get paid to do what i want to do that Is just, I know how hard it is. So I think that really helped me. Kind of shifted um, how I lead, I guess,
0: yeah. Thank you for highlighting that. It's so important, as you say, to make sure people are paid in film criticism as well as your industry. So thank you for bringing that up.
3: And I'll add that sometimes work for free. If you get an opportunity, I think where I'm at, at my age, with the movies I made, is because I worked for free, I sat in a room, because I wasn't paid, with someone that really gave me access. And I started building relationships. And again, I was serving at night, and I was hosting at a restaurant, and I was teaching dance, and I was running around and not sleeping a lot. But it opened doors for me, because if I was paid to do that job, I wouldn't have been sitting in those meetings or getting certain credits. And I don't support that. But to me, it was worth it. And I made a calculated risk or... I think it is important if you get that opportunity. So talk to people and say, can I work for you for free? Can I learn from you? Can I shadow you? Otherwise, it's really hard to get in the door. And sometimes you'll get those opportunities when you offer that. Because I think a lot of the time we come and pitch to someone. We're like, I have this project. Like, please read it, right? But if you come from a place of like, let me offer you something, So I build a relationship with you, and then you know me, and maybe you'll read my script, and it might take a month, it might take a year, But I do business now with people that I know from six years ago and it took us six years to get to a place when they give me money or we work together on something. As you all know, it takes a long time to kind of build your name. Then it's the same thing about being out there in film festivals and finding, you know, sitting in panels and go talk to the panelists or, you know, send them an email or say something that they will remember you and maybe touch base with them. It's just, there's so many ways to get things done, but I think because there's so many people trying to do what we all we're all, you know, doing, so you have to find a way to stand out. So, thank, thank you, Sens.
0: Unfortunately, that's pretty much what we've got time for here, but um, hopefully we'll be seeing each other around here, and thank you again very much to my guests, Uzma Hassan, Teresa Fernandez-Fales, Lee Broder, and Kirsten Nehaus. Thank you so much. Gracias, thank you. Thank you. I'd also like to very warmly thank Evolution Mallorca York International Film Festival for having us. To Sandra Lipsky, the festival director, for inviting us. Thank you so much. To Kirstie Langdale and Matthias Funches at Organic for helping us all set it up. And the lovely tech team today. Everyone who's been helping out today, thank you. Big round of applause for Heather Archbold for producing today. And um, do remember to support us, like, subscribe, and thank you again. What a wonderful panel. What an inspiring day. Thank you for all your wonderful words. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Girls on Film, which was recorded in front of an audience at the Evolution Mallorca International Film Festival on 29th October 2022. I'm Anna Smith, and thanks again to my guests, who were Uzma Hassan, Teresa Fernandez-Baldes, Lee Broder, and Kirsten Niehaus. Girls on Film is an HLA production. This episode was made in partnership with the Evolution Mallorca International Film Festival. It's brought to you by HLA's executive producer, Hedda Archbold, our intern, Ellie Hardy, and audio editor, Nick Wassel. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, thanks for listening.
3: Okay, let's get to work.